What do you got? You have no hair. I know. You like it that way? If you kept it more quaffed. I'm an extremist. You are. That sounds scary. It does sound scary. <sighs> Welcome to the extremist podcast. Ugh. You're supposed to be a demon? <sighs> They're pretty extreme, aren't they? They are. Demons? I would assume. Yeah. I've only met, I haven't really met very many, just the one I'm married to. <laughs> I knew this where you're going with this. <laughs> Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yannis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. On this show, we democratize the film criticism conversation by bringing on fans and critics alike to talk about their personal connection to a current or classic release. This episode is my annual birthday gift to myself on the podcast so this is a rob's choice this is the second time we're doing this particular uh format for uh you know under the second time under this format that uh that we're doing this the, the rob's choice episode last year i did a uh, who framed roger rabbit episode with my mom janine yanis who's been on the show before and this episode i am honored to welcome back to the show kai yanis my wife to uh to talk about the 40-year-old virgin. Kai, welcome to the show. Hi, Rob. Thank you so much for having me again. Of course. And people listening to this will have just heard our Batman Forever uh, crooked commentary. And yeah, they're getting a lot of back-to-back but Kai here on accident. Fell. That's how it happened. Well, yeah. Well, it was your, as I mentioned on that episode, it was your idea to bring up the Batman Forever thing. It was supposed to be a September release, but then with Joel Schumacher's passing, you were like, we should do that. And I was like, all right, fine. We'll do that now. And again, get that out of the way, per se. Uh, plus, I think it was... It was fortuitous timing, generally. So this uh, this week, we're going to talk about The 40-Year-Old Virgin, which is uh, one of my favorite comedies. As we said, this is my choice episode. So I'm really the focus. You're kind of here, for people that didn't listen to last year's episode, you're kind of really here as more of a facilitator so that I can talk to myself, I guess. Um, just because I can't host and kind of interview myself on things. So yeah, you might look like a crazy person. I, well, yeah, that's true. Um so, we, I guess to start with, before we get into the movie itself, uh, what is your, you know, what is your experience with the Forty-Year-Old Virgin and Judd Apatow's sort of uh, legacy of comedy that's that's come after it? And this is also the 15th anniversary of the film as well. With its uh, when it came, premiered in, you said August, August like yeah, like August yeah. 19, 18, something. Yeah, so like it's that. still a summer movie, right? Too. Um, my. My experience with 40-Year-Old Virgin is I did not see it in the movie theater. And um, I think actually my dad at a time was was making copies of DVDs. Doesn't he still do that? Yeah, yes, maybe. But I don't know if he's in the DVDs. You're not, you're not, yeah, you're not living. Yeah, Redbox, no I guess. Bo- he doesn't do that. He anyway. didn't do Redbox? Anyway, no. we're upside the <laughs> point. Um, and he gave me um, kind of a, a pile of copied CDs and or DVDs, and one of them was Forty Year Old Virgin. So, I think it was when I was in some um, when I was in college. It was like my first year at my uh, my alma mater is University of Central Florida. So I don't know. Sometime on a weekend, I put the put the DVD of Forty Year Old Virgin in and watched it. And um, yeah, and I mean, I th- I thought it was okay. Like I, it it didn't really resonate with me very much. And I think at that time. I wasn't a Judd Apatow fan. I don't even know if I am now. Well, we should. That's we should run through his filmography then. His 
his movies. So he's done 40 Year Virgin, which obviously is the focus of this episode, so we'll talk about quite a bit. Uh, Knocked Up, which you do like Knocked Up, I right? I do. Yeah, Knocked Up, I laughed hysterically in the movie theater. That one was really funny. I don't think I saw that in theaters either. Because I didn't see 40 Year Virgin, which we'll get into. Uh, funny People, which I don't think you've still... I have not still seen that. Still not movie. seen that, right? I hear it's really, like, a it's, very It's heavier. It's more, yeah, it's it's more dramatic than comedy in a way. I saw it once. I, I think I blind bought it, saw it once, and then I haven't really gone back to revisit it because it wasn't what I was expecting. Um, but I, 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 you know, that would be a good one for us to watch just because you've never seen it, and uh, it's been so long since I've watched it. This is 40, which yeah. we both, I think we liked, we enjoyed that. Yeah, we, we even owned a copy of it. I have not TV. even opened it. Mm, I don't know, maybe not. It's yeah. like, that's a and good... we saw the movie theater. Yeah, that we saw in the movie theaters. And then Trainwreck. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Which we, uh, we think we both enjoyed We did. Quite a yeah, bit. We saw that was a double feature. What, do we, uh, what was the other movie um, we saw? Let's Be Cops? No, that was Lucy. And we were like, Shh, was it, let's it be cops so much better. Was it? Oh, was I don't that know. After it was the same year, so it could be. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, Trainwreck is also good. We need to revisit that. Amy Schumer, I think, is really funny when she has the right direction. Uh, and the, the his most recent one, The King of Staten Island, which we haven't seen yet. I think and that's a Netflix original. No, it's uh, it's. I think it's just a regular on-demand oh, because they couldn't go to theaters right. because we're living in the, the pre-apocalypse right now. So we're living in like the first Mad Max movie before things go all like wild and Road Warrior style. So, yeah, so we, we have we don't have any comments on that movie. I think we need to... I'm curious to see it, though, because I am generally an Apatow fan. Uh, I do think that, you, you know, his movies do tend to go a little too long. They... they, they I think they do hew way more from a sort of, uh, I don't know, male stereotype perspective, this movie especially. That might be the other reason it didn't resonate with you Yeah, well, this is a very male uh, lens movie. But we'll get there. Which we'll get, obviously. There's quite a bit to say there as well. So it, it was also, I think, for me, I didn't see this in theaters because for some reason, you know, well, not for some reason, it came out the same summer as Wedding Crashers. And that looked yeah. really, really stupid to me. And they're both sort of, they're both sex comedy. I think they're I both may like, have seen that actually before 40 Year Old Virgin. You probably did. I didn't, I don't think. I don't know if I saw it, because I didn't see that in theaters either, because I was, I don't like Vince Vaughn. We were just coincidentally talking about that earlier today. I don't know how Vince Vaughn came up, but I said something like, I thought you said Vince Vaughn. I'm like, yeah, I know. Singing he's like, a song, I think. <laughs> I don't like, I'm not a fan of Vince Vaughn or really that kind of movie very much, generally. Um, so I think I just kind of mashed them together in my head. And so I didn't get to this for a long time. And, uh, yeah, and just when I did, it was sort of on VHS and watching. I think my Fred, uh, Freddie and my dad were there. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it's a movie that resonated with me a lot for reasons so we'll get Freddy into. you saw Freddie Little Virgin on, on VHS? And not v- well, it was a VHS. I guess it was DVD at that point. It, I DVD guess, like, at that point. right around It was about time, to be, yeah. that was when VHS was completely phased out. Yeah. But I saw it on home video. Like, we rented it, um. is what I mean. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. It and it resonated with me pretty strongly, but then more so as as time has gone on. So I guess do we have anything else specifically we want to talk about other than the movie itself? Anything else with Apato or a guy? I was not really familiar with Steve Carell at this point, uh, except for Bruce Almighty because I didn't mm-hmm. watch the Daily Show. I think he was on that. This was right. This was right around the Office. Had, he had just started The Office, I think, a couple years before this, right? I, that sounds... That in 2003. Sounds right, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
So I wasn't familiar. So these were all new people to me. I wasn't familiar with obviously Seth Rogen or Paul Rudd. I guess I sort of, but not really, because I didn't and see I Clueless until Rudd, I didn't Clueless. see him until I didn't see Clueless until you showed it to me. As, wasn't Paul Rudd also an Anchorman? I didn't see that in theaters either. I, was I didn't either. Of, I was yeah. I was. I heard everybody quoting it, but I, didn't I wasn't as see it. Yeah, I was in around my, the time of Woody Virgin. I was in my early twenties, but for reasons which we'll get into, I wasn't really social and I wasn't really up to date on stuff. I was sort of in my own little family bubble. So I missed out on like a lot of these things that happened in the early to mid two thousands. I caught up with in the years after that. Because we were college students and we had a lot of other things going on. I mean I guess. I didn't know. Well that was kinda what was going on with me. I was in school and really busy and I was working and and movies weren't really weren't my thing to want to just go by myself and my friends didn't see movies necessarily like that. Right. So Yeah. Yeah. Um what was this around the time when did Evan Almighty come out? Two thousand seven. Oh, really? Yeah, and that was one of the most notorious flops because it for, cost like two hundred million dollars for some reason. I'm very glad that didn't and hurt it made his very little. Yeah, I know, I know. Seriously, for some reason I thought it was before. No, because no, it, it was after like, this. Because I heard so many terrible things about the movie, and I'm like, why would Steve Carell do that? I didn't see that, that either. Like, and I love Bruce Almighty, and it was the same director, and I, obviously I love Steve Carell in this, but even then I was just like, this looks really stupid. <laughs> I'll pass, hard pass, and I, that was a wise decision on my part. But I don't um, have anything directly to say about the movie. Okay. It's not a movie like when we talk about Star Wars or whatever, where it's a lot of preamble to get to it. So this is kind of a pretty straightforward uh, Well, even the situation. title is straightforward. Yeah, I know. That's why, part of what I love about it, too. It, the poster is just him, like, looking off in the distance, kind of, uh, you know, have a, has a certain naivete and uh, innocence about him. What about Ernest? Does he look earnest in the picture? I guess. I could see that. Jim Varney style. So... <laughs> <laughs> So let's listen, before we get into the movie in depth, let's listen to a little bit of the trailer, 40-year-old virgin, right now. Over the years... Did you glue this? I wish I had some scissors. Ow! Andy Stitzer has lost a lot of girlfriends. I'm sorry. But there's one thing he never lost. Are you a virgin? Oh, you are hilarious. Mmm, <laughs> this is good. You're a virgin! How can you go 40 years and not have sex? I just... Kind of stop trying. We gotta help the man. We cannot let you go on being a virgin. You gotta highlight your attributes. Just wax that whole Teen Wolf thing off. No, Kelly Clarkson. Help! I hate you. Stop smiling. You look like a man o lantern. The problem most men have is they don't know how to talk to women. What am I supposed to say? Nothing. Just ask questions. Are you looking for something? Is there something I should be looking for? We have a great um section of do it yourself do you like to do it yourself (laughs) (laughs) that was a little bit of the trailer for the 40 year old virgin directed by judd apatow uh so as i said this came out august 19 2005 freddie's birthday uh not 2005 but august 19 2005 it made 109 million domestically and 177 worldwide uh and i think this was also this and the wedding crashers or I guess it's just Wedding Crashers, was kind of the the big arrival of R-rated comedies, like the, a revival of that genre that kind of, that had been dead for a few years, I think, since like, like American Pie and Scary Movie, and then it was like five years of no big R-rated hit comedies that I can remember, and this kind of kick-started mm-hmm. that subgenre again, you know? 
Yeah. No, that is interesting. And you did point on the whole 177 million globally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've talked about it before that comedies don't seem to right. transcend to translate as well mm-hmm. globally because comedy is different based on where you live, your culture, right. and, and especially with the rated R comedies. I would think, imagine too, because it really is hard to like translate that, and there's different curse words that are used. A lot of curse words. Well, it's also like everybody, every culture has its own sensibility. So, you know, a foreign movie that comes out here that's a comedy, that's, you're not going to, it's not going to, we don't have the same cultural touchstones that they have. So a lot of comedies based on what you know and what they know, their life in a different country is completely different than in the U.S. and vice versa, which is why a lot of the stuff, the, the foreign movies that are released here are action or sci-fi, yeah. like martial arts things or like Fantasy. horror movies, things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, that's an interesting point. That it's, it is, it, but it hit, we hit huge here. And I'm not sure exactly if that was the timing or the poster, like the concept to be like 40 years, 40 years of no sex. That's fucking crazy, yo. I don't know exactly what the the concept of what what it was about. I think it's just, it's such a basic premise. Like, like you said, it's so... You know, it's so earnest. It's right on its face. It's, um, you know, everything you need to know about the movie just with that very basic poster and the extremely straightforward title. And I think what I, the magic trick of this movie, I think, and I, I remember talking with a friend of mine uh, who I still want to get on the podcast at one point. I think he didn't, I think he, t- if I remember correctly, he said he didn't want to see this movie for a while because I think he thought it was like making fun of the fact that. The character has, is I a virgin. I think I thought the same thing when and, it came out. Yeah, and that sounds like, well, that's either going to be mean-spirited or stupid. And I think the movie has a lot more going on than that. you know. And I think you don't know that until you give it a chance. So it, it almost makes me wonder if it, the, the total would have been higher if some people that, would, that were more dismissive of the film based on the title and its premise uh, would have been more open to checking it out. That's a really good point. Yeah. Maybe that was my thing too. Maybe that's why I didn't want to um, watch it. Like, right. And I also didn't know a lot about Judd Apatow. Didn't know that much about Steve Carell. Well, nobody, yeah, nobody knew about Judd Apatow. He was a TV guy, Freaks and Geeks, and Undeclared. And he produced things like you mentioned, Anchorman, and, and such like that. But he'd never directed a movie before this. So this was like his big arrival. So. And I was like looking at it kind of like a guy movie, like thinking, oh no, right. this is going to be like American Pie. Right, which Type. also is like not great, <laughs> yeah, especially not, now the way like it's aged. It's fine. I watched it because everybody watched it, but it wasn't like something that I'm into. No, but um, so for you, like, so I said that it doesn't didn't really resonate with me, and I mean, getting a little bit older and more mature, and we watched it recently. I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, um, I can see, I can see the charm in this. But what was it for you? Well, how much of the way you see it now is based on the fact that you know that I that I enjoy it and the reasons that I enjoy it? Like how there much of that some is based of that on too. that? Okay. Yeah, I mean, there were some parts of the movie, you know, that were watching it recently, and I was feeling kind of offended. Oh well, yes, yeah. we'll and get that to I that. I feel like I, I feel was... more offended now because than of the, I did hashtag... the first time I watched it, and then the second time I watched <laughs> it with you. I think uh, let's. We'll get to that in more detail later, but I think the the most offensive, like in that respect, is the um, the the lion has a code in his DNA. It says tackle the gazelle. And believe it or not, every man, Romani Malcos, I'm I'm quoting him. Uh, every man has a lot has written in his DNA tackle drunk bitches. I think that's probably the part where you're like, wow, what the 
fuck is that about? And granted, that character is supposed to be the most like wildly misogynistic of the bunch, but it's just even now it's like wow i don't know if that i don't think that would fly there'd be big blowback judd apatow would be canceled if that happened now i guess is my point yeah and even and i mean even steve carell's character was like like what really but i mean he still, yeah, yeah, yeah. He still went ahead and tried to do that try because he he doesn't know any better he doesn't really literally doesn't know what the hell he's doing so you're asking about my thing so uh when this came out i was 22 and uh, let's see I, I was in between, I had done, you know, I went, I had just graduated or I was about to graduate from undergrad in college. And I was very, I was very uh, isolated. Like I was sort of alluded to earlier. I was very family based. I had extreme anxiety, I had really bad acne. So I had, I was very antisocial and very cut off. And I didn't really have uh, much of a, of a social life at all in college. I was a late driver like late bloomer as far as driving because i was scared of that so a lot of elements of this character kind of uh delayed emotional maturity uh and sort of stunted growth in that regard and i hadn't really dated at all at that point and it wasn't until a few years later that i even really tried to do that and you know, watching this movie at that point in my early to mid twenties, it, it kind of played like to me like a cautionary tale. It was like if I don't work on my shit, this is gonna be me. Like, you know, I had toys in my room like that. I had embarrassing posters and stuff or whatever. But you um, still do. But you I found a do. woman that accepts that. Well, I don't really. I mean, I don't. Most of those are put away now in a in a big box or like in the room Except that's for now in well, yeah, in the room that's now a storage room basically. Uh, and so for me, it kind of played like as a, as a cautionary tale of me being, feeling like, well, I need to, you know, I need to like sort of learn from Andy's journey and, uh, kind of get my, get my act together. So in a way, in a kind of fucked up way, because we were talking about how bad a lot of the advice Andy gets in this movie is, I think there is a kernel of truth to some of it. Like, I think that most men don't know how to how to talk to women, like Seth Rogen says. I think that is true. I think being more kind of raw, like uh, mysterious, and not being so like uh, trying so hard. I think there's a lot. I think there's there's elements of truth within the kind of offensive and like wild advice that they give. Well, him. even well, even to interrupt you here yeah, yeah. with your with your truth. Um, even what Seth Rogen was saying, Seth Rogen's character was saying about. The level of mystery, um, mystery. Just ask I think, questions. I think that actually goes hand in hand with women too. Yeah, oh yeah. I think that a lot of women tend to overshare that they like seem also very available, and that can be a turnoff to men as well. So I think that in in a lot of regards, having an element of mystery, not just with like your romantic life, but also in your personal life, just with. But that's but see I've never been I've personally never been good with that. We mentioned right before I think I think it's actually probably going to be the cold open that I kind of I tend to go to extremes Billy Joel style I go to extremes so I'm either like not cut off not conversing and kind of like uh, you know socially closed off so that's to to that extent of introvertedness or I way overshare and I'm just like open like open book and that's both of those are no good. So it, it, I think for me, it was a little bit of an education in a weird way. So kind of seeing this character coming from that perspective, trying to enter this world much later than I was at that point. But, 
you know, there was, there was just some parallels that I was seeing in my own personal life with that, with me trying to get out there. And um, so, yeah, so it wasn't until right around the time before this movie came out. There was to get even more personal for a minute, and then we'll start talking about the movie. Because it's, like I said, this is a very this movie is very personal to me in a lot of ways, and I recognize that yeah, there are parts of it that are very offensive, that have not aged well, that I do not endorse. Don't please don't tackle drunk bitches or women. I wouldn't even call them bitches because I was just quoting the movie there. It's uh, it, there's a lot of things in this movie that I don't approve of, but it hit it came out at a point, and the same thing can be said of How I Met Your Mother, which is the whole thing is about like I don't want to be a single, I'm not good at it. Was Ted Mosby's thing in the pilot. That, um, you know, I was at that point a year before my aunt had talked to my mom and said, is Robbie happy? Because he was cut off. Yes, I yes, my family calls me Robbie. And I, my mom asked me and I was like, I guess I'm not happy. And so I, you know, had the acne. I was overweight. Now I'm more overweight, but that's because of the quarantine and the pandemic stress uh, in Trump's America and all that. Uh, and then, you know, I started working out and tried, started going out there, went on dating sites and blah, blah, blah. That's how you and I eventually met on eHarmony. And um, so it wasn't until we got together and we started dating that I even lost my virginity, you know, like he does in this movie. So, it's, you know, with that part at the end where they're sort of getting close to or where they were about to uh, or whatever, I kind of made joke an inside joke to you about like our first time. And that that's sort of uh, that's where, again, the parallel between it. So it's it's a movie that resonates with me in a lot of ways because it, it is about someone later getting into the dating scene later than they're supposed to and and what else i love what all the other thing i love about it too is that it touches on the fact and i mentioned this to you yesterday because we had just watched the movie for this episode so it was in my head that you know so much of dating is so focused on sex that it and in a way it really like they say in the movie it complicates things like they the, the relationship between Trish and Andy is only able to grow once he doesn't have to worry about the sex part of it. Then they're able to get to know each other. Similarly, as I pointed out when we were watching it, you and I, we met when on eHarmony, we met up in person, and then you went to China, and then you know read Kai's book, Becoming Version 2.0 on Amazon, for more information on that. But it was during that time that you were gone that we really got to know each other, so that when you came back and we started dating for real... It, it was we had progressed past kind of the the getting to know you phase to a certain extent, and so I feel like that our relationship and our marriage and you know family now wouldn't have happened had that circumstance not fallen into place because of where I was. I mean, you you've said that you know you had a lot of growing up to do too at that point, but specifically where I was with the sex thing that it you know the the point that Andy makes early on is that he tried and it didn't happen, and then it just it's one of those things that the longer you the longer you wait, the bigger a, sh- a shadow it casts on you. And so you feel like there's something wrong with you because you're walking around out there and you're like, everybody's got somebody. And now I'm like, you know, 20, what was I, 27, I guess, when you and I first. Uh, and it's like, you know, I, why does that have to be such a big deal? Like, I understand why it is such a big deal and it is a big deal, you know, but... It, it supersedes everything else. You know what I mean? And there's a scene in there where they're at the they're at his apartment and Trish is coming over to pick him up. And he's and he's the, his friends are like freaking out, like, oh, we gotta get rid of this stuff. And he's like, he's like, Yeah, but none of this stuff is sexy, Seth Rogan, I think, says. And and Andy's like, I'm not trying to be sexy, man. And it's like the whole point is like, yeah, that's a good 
he, granted, he's a 40-year-old man, and he has an apartment full of toys and a framed Asia poster, and he's all about karaoke and video games. One, first of all, all that stuff is cool. Which, that's a joke. It, it, yeah, joke. they were in there hanging out, and they're like, this place is awesome. And as soon as the girl comes out, they're like, oh, fuck, we got to fix this. Uh, that, all that stuff is cool, but in the right context. In the context of a 40-year-old virgin... She's like, oh, what is this? Your roofie? Your date drug? Like, he looks like he could, he seems like a weirdo, like a pervert, or like there's something wrong with him. Like a man child, like the, what Michael Jackson allegedly might have been. Uh, but he also kind of didn't disclose any of this to her until. Right. Well, like, but do you blame him for not feeling open? I mean, I didn't tell you until after the fact. No, but he didn't either. disclose anything really with the, well, I guess he did with the toys and stuff because she wanted to just right. help him sell it. Oh, I love went, that scene so much. We'll get there. But, Maybe uh, that was her anxiety peeking through, being like, right. oh, God, it's been 20 dates, and like now I'm finally in this guy's apartment, and this is what I'm seeing, and and like maybe she started kind of overreacting a little bit, too. Like, he overreacted before. Right, right. But it's all about context, so, it, you know, it's so much of the focus is on appearances and not being kind of genuine and true to yourself, and that's what I love about this movie is that the moments where he is following his heart where he, you know, they're like, yeah, you need to do this. You need to, oh, you know, you need to, you need to like run through these hood rats. Or I think that's what, um, God, I can't remember. Jay, Jay says at one point, you know, everybody has their own like l advice, which he says at one point, like you guys all give me different advice. Which is funny because ironically, not a single one of them has a committed woman. Well, and, or, and, or, or is faithful to him, right. her. Yeah, exactly. So it's like. That's really, they're not the best people to take and advice I think, from. But see, that's the thing. I think that's kind of what the movie is saying. Like, if you look at the movie, the movie starts out and they're playing poker and they're all making kind of quasi making fun of him. And it's like a panic thing for him, which, I, again, I understand had I been in that situation like that. And he, you know, it becomes like a point of mockery early on. And then as it goes, as the movie progresses... They legitimately are trying to help him. Maybe they're giving him bad advice, but they're trying to help him. But it's when he lets uh, sheds all of his the chip on his shoulder with regards to his virginity. And he's like, oh, you guys don't think I could do shit? And he runs over there and he asks her out. And it's like when he's being himself with them, when, he, when the sex is taken off the table and he's able to more be himself. Yes, he's himself. Being himself is dorky. He does magic and he carries like the big ear in his pocket or whatever. But he's genuine and he's got a like a fun personality and he's like got like you know, uh, and I think it's when he fo follows his heart that 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 relationship starts to happen. And I pointed out to you like in a way, in a weird way, this is kind of like a cinematic version of our our relationship. One because I was a, a virgin when we got together. Two because I was later bloomer than I should have been. And. Uh, three, uh, famous Ashley Grant, who's been on this show, has compared my, my physical looks to Steve Carell. I don't know. It might be the hooded eyes, I think. And I think you kind of have like a Katherine Keener look going on. So it feels like it's, it's a weird parallel between, uh, between our real life relationship and, and the movie. So any other thoughts on my side of it, I guess? I just wanted to... That's context. I just said it was a huge thing. So well, good news, guys, for if it's listening. Um, Rob just... Opened his heart up here, and uh, I knew about all this, so it was an oh before this, duh, obviously. <laughs> you see, well, that was an interesting conversation that we had yes, several years ago. It was, and I'm, you know, and um, and Rob was pretty open about that with me in like when we really we well, not started. not before, not, not before, before, but we were more like 
I tried to I tried yeah. to downplay it. Yeah. Because you were like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah. And I was like, it's been a while. Yeah. And um, but I'm glad that you told me as early on as you did. Right. And um, and it's also when you were talking about how he and for him to like when he starts being more himself, when sex doesn't complicate things, it's also, you know, the virginity didn't just cast a shadow on, you know, his sex life. It also casts a shadow on his own securities. Yeah. Oh know? yeah. And like um, I think that the advice I gave you, you know, nine years ago when we started dating was that if not to be, not to be ashamed, like you, like to, to own, to own your, your insecurities. Right. And like, that's one thing that I never really did that well was own my insecurities. And, you know, now that I'm older, more mature, more confident in myself, like it's, like if somebody, you know, I think my advice was if somebody was to be like, oh, oh, you were a virgin? Be like, yeah, so, you know, and like own it. And Which is what he does later in the movie in, at the uh, the doctor's office, at the, the health clinic with yeah. the, crap, Marla. Marla, yeah, I kind of remember her character. I was going to tell her Darcy. I'm like, no, that's MCU. And uh, yeah, and he's just like, I'm a virgin. And then everybody laughs at him. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and it's like. People, people can't hurt you and judge like and judge you if you own you own your insecurities. Right. You own and you have that authenticity about yourself. And um, and I think that is what really good about what happens at the end of the movie is that he does start to become more confident um, and and own it. And uh, I get emotional. Watch, well, from coming from my perspective, but also the way that the movie does handles it. When she freaks out, she runs away, and have that great heat of the moment. Little like, of course, because it's essentially a romantic comedy. That little like mini chase scene, like every movie, romantic comedy on ends with somebody. Yeah, exactly. And he goes through, and he hurts himself, and he finally says, "I'm a virgin," and she's like, "That's it. That's all." And like, "Oh, that's so. That's good." And like, it's like a sweet moment. I still get emotional. When, and ultimately, when we watch that. who who knew that Seth Rogen's character would have had the the best advice that that Steve Carell's character didn't take when Seth Rogen's character said, "You should just you tell test her. her with this shit." You just tell her. Yeah, but he said it like in a in an aggressive way. It's like you should test her with this shit, and see how she reacts. I'm like, okay, I mean, just be honest. Don't be like, don't like put, set up all these hoops for the woman to jump through. Jesus. Um, so I think this kind of run through the actual movie. So what I did love that in the beginning, like. Like I said, it's 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 you were saying it's his insecurity, but I don't know if it's necessarily the fact that he's never had sex. It's just indicative of the fact that he has, like she says later on towards the end of the movie, never really grown up. You know, he hasn't really put himself out there to have any kind of really, really relationships, period, minus watching Survivor with his neighbors, basically. It sounds like that's his only social life. Even the even the the older black couple there are like, oh man, he needs to get laid, you know? Yeah. They're like, this guy needs a life. It's just sad. He's a good person and he's just closed off because he feels defective or something wrong with him. And so I like that because he's never matured, everything in his apartment is very much living in the past. It's 2005, but all his shit is like six million dollar man and like, you know, Asia and like, you know, Asia the band, Asia. So it's all like 80s culture, like the things that he would have grown up with in his, in his youth. And he hasn't really let himself get up to speed in, in multiple different facets of his life. And I thought that was really cool. Um, but I also like that he wasn't, he's not really depressed either. 
he's like he's like I was before I was like shit I guess I am depressed I just repressed it or whatever uh he's you know he wakes up he has a he keeps himself busy he's got it's like I have a very full life and he's like plasticing his like tuba or whatever and he's like and granted all a lot of that is to distract himself from the fact that he's lonely but he fills his time he's not sitting there crying or like you know beating himself up about it he wakes up he makes himself a nice breakfast like you know what I mean so I like that it's a very healthy uh, depiction. Uh, I know your beer made like a splash. Bloop. <laughs> it was very, it's a very healthy depiction of how someone would create a life without having that kind of connection. Uh, Muj even in says later, it's like it's about not about it's just about love. It's about connection. It's not about ass and pussy and butthole pleasures. It's not about butthole pleasures at all. Um, which I love his uh, Corral sort of deadpan. Sense of humor. That's there. who he should have taken advice from in that movie. Oh, not Mooch? those three yeah. guys. Yeah, I know it's great. He's just so he's kind of overly cautious. He's a little vanilla because he's he doesn't. He's I think probably afraid afraid to offend people. Afraid to like put himself out there again. Sounds familiar. Maybe he's also afraid to put himself out there because maybe he's afraid that one it's gonna it's gonna come through that he's a virgin like it did when he went to the Pope right, night. Exactly. Yeah, and again. Sounds yeah. familiar. Well, he, he he's also like he has coped with this situation for so long by completely ignore it, which one of my favorite lines. He's like, oh, you know, I think uh, I think Paul Rudd asks him, are you like, are you, you know, are you, are you, are you? No, he doesn't ask you if you're gay. He's like, whatever. He says, oh, he's like, I, I love women. I like, I love them so much that I can please stay away from them. <laughs> <laughs> one of the best lines in the movie but you see at the very beginning of the movie he freezes up there's like a female customer and he like asks him a question and he doesn't know what to say and then Romany Malco kind of jumps in Romany Malco who by the way you know we heard his character is kind of terrible but he's really funny in this movie generally like his performance is really good so I kind of miss him that he isn't in that many things uh, he was in the love guru after this and I think that maybe didn't help him very much uh, you, we have the interaction with Seth Rogen early on he's like oh you know we went to Tijuana to see it like there's a woman fucking a horse and and he's like and meanwhile and he did his whole egg salad sandwich thing so it's just i think he's just worried that he doesn't compare you know that his life's not like he says he says this is my life there's my the fact the problem is that there's nothing interesting about me is what he says you know why do you what, what is your take on do you think that's true and or what do you think uh, is the solution for that i think that that's kind of a lot of people's insecurity maybe is that they don't feel like they're very interesting and that's why like even like with a movie in American Beauty when she said that um one of the worst things in the world is to be ordinary oh yeah and like she's but this character she's trying so hard to be uh, um unordinary that she's lying about stuff and you know with the Seth Rogen character maybe there's like he maybe he's trying really hard not to be um, ordinary, trying so hard to be interesting that he's not being like his true self. So I think a lot of people struggle with being, um, not feeling like they're interesting or trying to be fun. And even myself, like, I don't feel like, I don't really feel like I'm an interesting person. Maybe I have interesting stories, but on the day to day, I don't think I'm interesting, well, especially lately because well, we don't go nothing, anywhere. And, yeah, lately there's nothing to do. Yeah, but. and I don't feel, and sometimes I don't feel like I'm very fun. You know, I don't even do magic. Like his character. So I think a lot of people experience that. I mean, I didn't do an official survey, but I do think there's some truth to that. 
Cookie Table Street Team needs to get on that, I guess. Um, just so you guys know um, who are listening, we are drinking Keel and Curly Elderberry. Agrarian Cider. Yeah. I feel it's like I've fancy. had this one before. Maybe we tried it when we were there at one point. Or maybe we would Breast Tap or something. Oh, we I know. Breast Tap's cool. Yeah. I missed that place. So. But yeah, I think um, I think it's all about perspective. If you look at it from that perspective, he's not going to like women having you know sex show and, and you know women having sex with a horse. But that uh, that sounds awful to me. The egg salad sandwich actually sounds more interesting. Um, but yeah, it's a, and I think it's gotten so much worse in the age of social media. This is when Facebook, uh, MySpace was still a thing. Facebook hadn't really blown up just yet in 2005. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everybody is trying to make the, look, look how great my life is. Look at all this perfect hashtag blessed or whatever, like, kind of thing. And I think if you look at it from that perspective, he does magic. He does karaoke. He, you know, he knows he a lot about a lot tuba. of things. He has a collection of toys that apparently got him, like, as uh, Jay re, uh, reveals towards the end of the movie, like, at the wedding. Spoilers. Uh, half a million dollars worth of toys. He's like, can you believe that shit? He's saying, and he's like, we need to get some fucking toys. <laughs> so I mean, you know, you look at it however you want it. I, it depends. The right, per- the bottom line is that the right person will find him interesting. Is right, the whole point, exactly. and that he doesn't. He feels like he has to meet some standard. And the fact that he lives in a, a society where so much emphasis is placed on looks, so much emphasis is placed on confidence, so much emphasis Not is placed society, on sexual prowess. Not just too. They're in LA, well, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. So much emphasis is placed on sexual prowess and things like that. Like, that's why he walks by as soon as he's like t- turned on to the fact that, oh, I'm a virgin, I guess I should pay attention to that again. He start, you notice he starts walking the streets and notice every woman that has breasts. And he's like, uh, doesn't know where to look. And the, the, the billboard on the bus. And he's just like, uh, running away. The dogs the having sex in the park. The billboard that got bigger yeah. on the bus. Yeah, exactly. The dogs having sex in the... Like, now it's like everywhere and he can't escape it. And it's like he's being overwhelmed by it. Again, I understand. So I think I want to talk about the cast of this movie. Because we mentioned Steve Carell, who's ex- excellent in this film. And I think makes the character similar to how... Andy Samberg does with Connor for real and Popstar. Like he plays a character that could easily be a caricature, but plays him so as you meant, this is the word I'm gonna steal now for the rest of the episode. So earnestly that you're on his side, you know, you're you're even because Connor and Popstar should be a terrible person. We should be like, fuck this guy. But we're on his side because we understand where he's coming from and we understand where Andy's coming from and what is what a a stressful ordeal this whole situation has been for him and so we're rooting for him to get through it instead of being like ah look at this guy he's never had sex bag of sand really you know and i think that's a huge reason that this movie works and it doesn't work if you don't have the right actor in that role yeah that's true um if you notice his hair also like got a little bit more cove uh, Quaffed. That's your word. You're all about that word tonight. Quaffed um, as the movie went on because he was getting more confident. He started dressing a little better too. Yeah, like feeling himself more. Um, So like even we could see that his his appearance was changing. Reflected, yeah, reflected his character journey. That's a good detail. Uh, So I want to talk about the the rest of the ensemble though too. Catherine Keener, again... This whole movie falls apart if you don't have a performance or an actor in that role that make that you can see that these two people fitting together. Uh, this story was a huge influence on a novella of mine that I have written kind of multiple drafts of, but never really done anything with. But it has a similar sort of counterbalance of him being so emotionally closed, like not emotionally closed up, but like so socially closed off and so introverted and her being like complete opposite. Like I told you, I pointed this out to you at the end of the movie. 
when they're standing in the street and they're like the guy like talking his horn like get the fuck out of the road and she and he's like fuck you get on and then she, and then Andy is like sorry no <laughs> like you know the, the the fact that he is completely inexperienced she is not only, you know so experienced to the point that she was married she has three kids one of whom has a kid she's a hot grandma and, and her demeanor is way more in your face way more like very confident very uh, assertive very strong and he has that in him but he doesn't show it because he's scared again that sounds like us there's a lot of that kind of thing that i'm saying i see here so katherine keener is great in this movie and i kind of have a little bit of a crush of her character in this movie too i love that she has an ebay store which is something that was i think just now just starting to exist around this time and has since disappeared completely because everybody's like fuck i could just go on ebay myself why do i need you to do it uh, it's so easy now. Yeah, that was really weird. That was like very, very... That's one of the things that dates this movie the most, besides the misogyny and all that, that dates this movie the most. The people watching this like now, as young people watching this, be like, what, an eBay store? You go into a place, you hand your... Th-. Well, he even he even asked about it. And even Andy asked, he's like, why do they have an eBay? Jonah Hill's like, why do I... I just want to take these shoes home. Why do I want to give you some money and I can take them home? And she doesn't understand. Yeah, well, even Andy's like, why do you have an eBay store? Why are they going to just sell it on eBay? So I feel like it was already dating <laughs> itself. An answer. Yeah, I love that. I love it. Uh, so the cast of the movie, uh, Jane Lynch is amazing in this. I have her written down because she shows up very early on. So she's got maybe a few really, she's got maybe like two really choice scenes, both of which she's hitting on uh, on Andy. The, the, the one where she's like, uh, um, you know, basically propositioning him and saying about how the gardener that like she had an affair with when she was younger and she like sings something in Spanish and and then later on she says, I'm very discreet but I will haunt your dreams like this was a like this was a pre-glee Jane Lynch so I wasn't familiar with her very much I hadn't seen the Christopher Guest movies at that point so she's amazing in this Paul Rudd the trifecta really of Paul Rudd Romani Mako and Seth Rogen great amazing ensemble uh, cast uh, Elizabeth Banks as Beth who was she in before this? Spider-Man, the Spider-Man movies. Oh, Wet Hot yeah. American Summer, which we've covered on this podcast. Right, right, with Paul Rudd. With Paul Rudd also. David Rosen and I talked about that movie. That was That's really funny. I should show you that. I don't know if you like it because it's a weird sense of humor. Uh, they, and I'm forgetting the other the other guys' names that work in the store. But there's also, um, oh, Leslie Mann. Yeah. Judd Apatow's wife. First movie I really took notice of. But first movie that really made her career. As like a leading, as like a name. Because I remember her from the Cable Guy, but she was. Not and she was also in George of the Jungle, which she was that. in that. I know. In Cable Guy, saying. she wasn't really like. She didn't, she didn't have really that pop big, in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Jim Carrey movie. It's hard to pop in a Jim Carrey movie unless you're Jim Carrey or Cameron Diaz in The Mask. Uh, so, I love that the whole Michael McDonald thing with Paul Rudd is great. Uh, one thing in this film that I do think does also I mentioned earlier about how. It does go a little long. You can feel the Apatow uh, improv situation. Like he lets his actors improv a lot. And so there are way many, there are way more scenes than there should be of people just, you know, I know you're gay because you like Coldplay, you know, which is again, but this kind of homophobic. Don't That has not aged very well either. But a lot of the uh, the improv things I feel like are funny, but they go on so long that you, you know, you can go on the DVD and watch like 15, 20 minutes more of those things the alternate versions that they use. And I get from a certain perspective, it's like, well, you just shoot a bunch and then you use the ones that are funniest. That's great. But it also, those scenes then have nothing to do with anything. You're not propelling the plot forward. You're just like stopping so you can have a conversation that's disconnected from what's going on. And I think that that makes the movie kind of slow to a crawl 
intermittently for a couple minutes at a time. What do you, you agree with I agree, that? Yeah. 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 So the I think that did not have to be over two hours. Honestly. No, this, this should have been like 150. I think it would have been nice, a uh, tight there. So everybody thinks uh, Andy is creepy and Corral, I said, he plays it straight. I have a bunch of notes of which I'm kind of going through quickly. Uh, what about when you were talking about the, the three guys and how I have, that's a note I just marked here. Yeah. And that they were like really like the, the different the tri- perspectives. Yeah. Yes. The trifecta of different yeah. perspectives. Like, so, uh, yeah. so Jay is, um, he's like the misogynist. He's sexist. He's, he's disgusting. Like I had a hard time watching, listening to any of his, his advice, advice. Cause it was just horrible. Um, and then you have Paul Rudd's character. What's his name in the movie? I'm blank. I was just about to look it um, up. You're, you're, I forgot his name. We know it's not Paul. No, it's not. And it's he, uh, what's is it? Mike in Clueless. What's his name in Clueless? Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, he's David. He's David. David. Okay. David. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so and Cal is Seth Rogen. Yeah. So David is like the romant, the romantic who is like obsessed with his ex girlfriend who. We find out later on in the movie he only dated her for four months. Well, no, no, no. Even better. Not only that, he only dated her for four months. And he's been, like, obsessed with her, tracking her down. And she's, like, Mindy Kaling, who shows up in her first movie role because she was tight with Apatow from something else that they worked on or whatever. And um, she's like, I changed my email. I I moved. And then Seth Rogen's like, well, I'm sorry. I did not know that. (laughs) Um, And Seth Rogen's character, Cal, so he's more... He's like, like casual he's, he's single like the, guy. He's like, like, like them in all the road. Like yeah, he's you know he's not misogynist, but he's not and he so he's like both. Right. Both. I, I sort of compared it to he's how I met your mother the again. I sort of compared it to how I met your mother. That's that Seth Rogen is like which the, premiered the same year. Yeah, Seth Rogen is like the Ted. Like he's he's like you know dating, and if something happens to be a relationship, great. But otherwise, he's just being casual, kind of casual single guy. So Paul Rudd is like the romantic guy who's like heartbroken and like really hung up on a certain relationship, which might more like in line with Marshall. And Jay is is just, you know, I'm gonna do whatever I can as much as I can with whoever I can. Yeah, exactly. And and Even so though it, the difference is, is he's he's with somebody. Right. Ironic. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So he is Marshall for the commitment part, but he's he is Barney for the cheating and like gross part. Oh, I respect women so much that I completely stay away from. That's what it was. Um, so yeah, they have the whole poker thing and then they're making fun of him, but then it, it quickly turns itself around. And I love that they, 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 the movie captures the immediate kind of panic that would happen when his worst nightmare, which is everybody finding out that he's a virgin kind of uh, That is takes a pretty place. bad nightmare. It is. It is. It's, uh, it never happened to, to me. Yeah, it did. It, it, I was worried it was going to happen. The closest I came was hanging out with some friends at one of their houses one time, and it was like the end of the night, and there was like me and a couple other friends, and then that came up, and it sort of, I did sort of confirm, I guess, because, you know, I, I was asked, and then I kind of dodged it, and that was basically confirmation. <laughs> like, kind of like in this movie, where he's like, uh, he's like, uh, no, no, no bag of sand or anything like that. That was after this movie, I think, too, when that conversation happened. And then, you know, David has a heart, kind of a heart-to-heart with him. I talked about his little running through the city, and it's like sex is everywhere kind of deal. <sighs> Tackle drunk bitches, we talked about those. Uh, that's terrible. Uh, Leslie Mann, uh, who gives, essentially, like I said, a career-making role 
uh, performance in this. So one of the best lines, and I'm not gonna, I'm not talking about the French toast. Although that was quoted a lot after this movie. What's some fucking French toast? I even remember it. Yeah, I've only seen the movie three times. This is the, well, two of them with me, I guess. Right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, the the part where they get in the car accident and she says, uh, "That fucker came out of nowhere." And I told you when I was doing preparing for this episode, I watched the trailer, and she shows up in the dating at the speed dating thing in the trailer. So I'm thinking. That in an earlier version, she was actually included in that speed dating montage uh, and, and didn't remember Andy because she asked, tells him again, you have kind eyes, which she tells him in the car, so would have, which would have been a fun callback to the point that she was so, she was blackout drunk, basically, and didn't even remember that she'd ever met him before. And I, I, that's that's disturbing on a whole nother level. But there, there are ladies like that. No, that's also, I mean, I think, I'd like to think she's also an exaggeration because well, she had I mean, a yeah. vocalizer in her car. Well, she's also like running down, like scraping like 10 cars as the and car is And this is not new like, for her. I'm so sleepy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my the, God. The, the court, was... the court made me, they had a court, she has like, she said she had like, oh, the court made me get the, the breathalyzer because she's got however many DUIs, I guess, at this point. That's that. See, that scene was very scary. Right. Well, that's what he's thinking too. Yeah, you're pretty. Great. Um, but just so you guys, you know, as a as a PSA for everybody, please don't drink. Do not do first. Don't drink and drive, and also do not get in a car with a person who's drunk. Like that. And conversely, as the male perspective here, don't air quotes tackle drunk bitches. That's yes. terrible. That's an awful thing. Like, we did our Batman Forever episode, and I alluded to when I was listening to Batman 89, and she's like, oh, I'm like a little drunk. And he's like, yeah, okay, we'll have sex anyway. That kind of thing. It's, it's, it's very, it, yeah. But a lot it's, has changed. A lot has changed. I mean, I don't blame Batman. I blame this guy. I, mean, I don't blame even, Batman so much, the, as much. I don't even think date rape was a thing, even until the 60s, right. maybe 70s. That's fucked up. You know, like it's it just was, kind of assumed, like uh, uh, assumed consent, basically. Yeah, we're like, here, so, so clearly you were asking for it, kind of thing, yeah, which so is the whole problem. So a lot has changed in even fifteen years with that, and I'm so glad. But there's been like a lot of progress, right. and like, I mean, it's gross and unbelievably wrong, and definitely legal. But you can't fault the movie for, because it was the it was the time, right? Even if it was 15 well, and years in this, ago. and in this movie. Jay, like as we said, Jay is called out by everybody else about like, ew, ew, gross, dude. Like, why are you, why is it? And then he has this little breakdown later, like, I'm insecure, you can't tell. That thing, which I love, is great. It's a great performance. Terrible which, character. Do you think, so, terrible person. so, to go on that, so do you think that Jay was actually more, ultimately more insecure than Andy was? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Uh, yeah, I love that twist. He's like, you got the right idea. You got to leave the sex out of it. I, I understand where you're coming from and that kind of thing. I like, I love, I think Romani Malko is great in this movie. I think his character is the most problematic part of it. But I think his performance is great. And I think the character is entertaining, albeit upsetting in a different way. Um, the, then they have the whole, it's the whole scene with the pussy on a pedestal. You're putting the pussy on a pedestal. Turn it into the Greek, Greek, Greek goddess Pusalaya or whatever. And I think that's a, terribly crass way of putting it but again i think there is truth to that like andy has has um blown this whole situation up in his head so much that it seems like like some unattainable feat like he said like uh, the guys tell him in that movie so i think there's some truth to that again and even though it's it's very inappropriately expressed but it's an r-rated comedy so it's like what do you expect and then we meet Catherine keener who i heard i literally drew I literally drew a heart by her name because I love her character in this so much. I thought you were going to say you drew a stick figure of her. Yeah. 
<laughs> How would you know it's her? And uh, I think you you can see immediately that they have kind of a connection like in the store. Do you, do you yeah, agree yeah. with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's chemistry. And and she gives him her number. He gets a number right off the bat, pretty much. Yeah. And I think that's, that's to the point that he let his guard down for two seconds. And she connected with real Andy, not, do you want me to be fucking with Donna? Like that Andy, you know what I mean? Which again, using that word in that sentence that I just said, not aged well either. Uh, the guys go on some shenanigans. They smoke out of a, they make a, a, an apple into a bong. They pee on a restaurant wall. Again, whatever. I didn't, don't, don't endorse. I'm so There's glad. a lot of stuff. I'm so glad I'm not out there. There's a lot. Oh God, I know. There's a lot of stuff I don't. Especially uh, now with like Tinder and like basically app dating. Oh God, I know. We're lucky. We 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 were able to get the, we're online dating Hashtag obviously blessed. online yeah <laughs> online dating actually worked for us and we beat like we beat out app dating where it's like eh swipe left swipe right can you imagine if it was that again this is and this is not to go on a tangent because we're already running over but it's not we're running over yet but we're behind schedule uh it, it it's that only like perpetuates the whole superficiality of dating where you're like eh swipe left. Like, what the hell? You don't know who this person is. Maybe this person that has a nice photo is a rapist. And maybe this person who looks a little awkward in his photo is, like, the man of your dreams. You know what I mean? Or vice yeah, well, versa. I feel like that females. happened, too, with, like, eHarmony and Match.com. That there was, like, still some stupid Yeah, but it was a little more of like, a process involved. <clears throat> yeah, it just yeah. it seems like so... I don't know. It's so... I don't know. I'm not a fan of it, obviously. That's why I'm not... Single. Plus, I love you. So, I want to. Thanks. I want to talk about the 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 wax scene. We're gonna need more wax. That whole scene, oh, situation. Goodness. One of the most famous scenes in the movie where he really got his chest waxed, uh, and a lot of that wasn't scripted. A lot of the things he was like, "Oh, come on, say, I'm a, I haven't I'm been waxed. No, that seems awful. Just sh- here, and I know it's a movie, but shave it down and then wax like the little bits of hair that are left. Don't just. You know what I mean. Like you can trim it. You can take a like a, a razor and just trim it down. Now that you're pulling out huge hairs from the roots, ah, that's very upsetting. Anyway, I love that scene. Very funny. Good stuff. Paul Rudd, little like cracking up in the seat. Probably again, not not part of the uh, part of the Is script. Just literal like reactions. Improv, right? I think so. I think they were just like it was just a setup, and they literally waxed Steve Carell's chest for that scene. At least to the part to the points that we saw. And, uh, yeah, so the guy's reactions are all genuine, I would assume. We meet Elizabeth Banks, which this time I, I wrote a, uh, a smiley face with heart eyes because I, I like Elizabeth Banks in this movie. Not her character, but I like Elizabeth. This was, she's very attractive in this movie, and she's very funny, and you think we've seen a lot of her career really blossom. This is what I was telling you when we were watching it. So many careers have blown up because of this movie. Steve Carell, Seth Rogen. Paul Rudd, this was like his res- beginning of the resurgence with him, I know, Anchorman I'm in so this. I'm so happy to see Paul Rudd again. I know. I'm clueless. Uh, I said Jane Maturity. And Elizabeth Banks, after, now after this movie, she's directed movies. She's going to be the new Miss Frizzle and Magic School Buzz movie that just got announced. So it's like. She's not quirky enough to be Miss Frizzle. I don't think so either. I think she can be, though. We'll see. She was Rita Repulsa in Power Rangers. I wouldn't expect that either. That was kind of a weird casting. Uh, not that uh, just ask questions, all that stuff. So this is where they're we're still in like advice mode, basically at this point of the movie. So we noticed, we mentioned, um, I mentioned to you. Well, we got to talk about his. No, Andy, I don't want your big box of pornography. We got to talk about that first. But 
the movie is pretty evenly divided into the first half is the guys trying to get him out there and the second half is him and Trish and their 20 dates thing and all that. I, what did you think about the fact that not only... This is also feels kind of far a little bit far-fetched for me to make it an exaggerated movie comedy. The fact that not only has he never had sex, but he doesn't really masturbate. He says not that... He don't, he's like, I don't do that that much. It doesn't sound like he does that at all. Because when he tries, it's very uncomfortable for him. Like it's like me. I don't know if it's because David put so much pressure on him with the big box and the the boner jams 03, or or what was the situation there? How do you feel? Do you, do you think? Do you think that's kind of a not a plot hole, but like where the movie goes a little bit too far? Like okay, he doesn't even know how to masturbate. Like how does he exist? Like I guess just suppressing things. That's I guess that's what I'm saying. That he's very sexually repressed. Right. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a man, so I don't, you know. But no, but from the per- yeah, perspective no, of the movie, just, I think that yeah, I think he's sexually repressed. I'm sure that that's and stereotypically, you know, men are much more frequenters of that. Yeah. I say stereotypically because like yeah, everybody's but, different, but yeah, but I don't. I mean, I think maybe, you know, writing the screenplay, they wanted to just get it, get the focus point it of, down. Yeah. yeah, but in reality, no, I don't think that if you're. You know, forty. You're four, probably four, like, 40. yeah. I don't you have your own boner jams mixed yeah, tapes. Exactly. I don't. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. That's. I mean, coming from my perspective, I was like, wait a minute. No, that that I don't. That you're going a bridge too far, movie. I don't know if I can go that far with you. That seems a little unrealistic. Uh, the fact that they play Lionel Richie's "Hello" and it's sort of like building to a romantic thing. The, like the candles are lit. The, the pictures are turned. That was all hilarious. Again, for me, who was single until you. Pretty much, uh, Stormy Daniels making a cameo there. The first, only there's and only thing I knew her about. I knew about her until obviously the whole Trump situation. So you knew her name when Trump, I the saw, Trump situation happened. Yeah, yeah, because I think I would seen this movie. So I used to watch yeah, this movie I, a lot, I and I think I saw her name in the credits. Like, I don't know. You know, I again, I'm more familiar with that world than you are, obviously. Well, not obviously, but. So I, I think I did see her name in the credits at one point. I was like, oh, who's that lady? Stormy Daniels. Okay. And so when her name came up from this thing, I was like, oh, I know her. She's in the 40-year-old virgin. She's in the, like... And that's like to get a little bit off topic, wasn't yeah, that around the time that the whole shenanigans even happened? I don't know. I don't remember exactly when that was supposed to have happened. Maybe it was after this movie. Maybe yes, uh, Trump saw this movie and he's like, I like her. I need to get her number. Anyway. I'll grab her places. Uh... And so he gets the advice, the speed dating thing. I wrote oof next to the 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 uh, disabled, the differently abled comment where he's like, "Do you want me to be fucking that thing?" I I because that again didn't like that. I have and that wasn't okay that. even then. Not really. That, it's not progress. That was it not was, okay then. It was more acceptable then, and it's also he's not the one that says it. He's repeating someone else's say. The whole thing is that he's the whole. I don't like. You can't hold that against Andy either in that in that case, because someone says the the lady is like, "Are you fucking retarded?" And then he's like, "Do you want me to be?" Because he's doing the whole thing that worked with Beth in the bookstore. So it's not like he's the one calling it using that word mm-hmm. of his own volition. It's just he's repeating that. That was his tactic. But yes, I mean, um, I remember three years later when Tropic Thunder came out, it got a lot of flack for you never go full retard. That whole thing. At which that was that, 2009, wasn't that it? was 2008. So I, it was on the cusp. I think this was right around the time where people were like, I don't know if we should say that anymore. So I, it kind of snuck in there at the last minute. But again, it's more makes that lady look terrible than it makes Andy look terrible. So 
Uh, Gina, again, sort of a stereotypical, like, butch lesbian kind of thing. There's a lot of stereotypes in this movie. But, again, it's a comedy, so it's hard not to do that. And I don't, like, it, I did, I will admit, though, I previously gave this movie a five out of five. After watching it and all these different things, I'm like, shit, do I need to drop this to, like, a four and a half? Just because, like, some of these things really do rub me the wrong way. Not Andy's story, but, like, a lot of the stuff surrounding it. Uh, I wrote about that. The, the movie calls out how, how Jay is so gross. Uh, it, you know, he's got the whole thing with the, the, da- the dating, the speed dating card. And then Andy has to kind of cover for him, which is a funny scene because Andy is trying to be so un-Andy-like. But yeah, what, did you, what are your thoughts on the hoe for show? Oh, God, he just, he's yeah, so, it, uh, yeah. He took it like way too far there. Like, like being like, oh, tell your, tell your, Bitch to step off or something like that. Yeah, that bitch was, is running wild. Yeah, no, that was really like, and even for Jay to be like, hey, hey man. I mean, I think he was also in character. I think he was like, good, you're doing a good job, Andy. Keep it up. I don't know. You read it that he was like, okay, now you're pushing the tune. Yeah, I did because how even if like suppose that was you like on the, no, I know you were Jay in this situation and you were. Well, I mean, he doesn't respect want, he doesn't respect his girlfriend enough to not like cheat on her right. constantly, so. But maybe he doesn't want her to be disrespected in front of her face. I, I guess. I and hope so. he's still so. going to be protective of her. That's a whole, that whole relationship is very troubling. Yes. And then they, they stay together because she gets pregnant. And I'm like, I, I don't know if this is going to go well for you guys. But good luck with that. Uh, the thing with Andy and the... You should have a sequel. <laughs> yeah, like a, like a This Is 40 style sequel. Focusing on that spinoff relationship. Uh, they set Andy up with the, the hooker who ends up being a transvestite. Again, that... And she had an Adam's apple as big as her balls. That a lot of that comes off sort of transphobic in a way. It's kind of not as bad as some other things. Uh, Matt Damon saying that he was like a Streisand. Uh, David says there's a lot of again a lot of these homophobic. But again, I don't I don't 100 hold it against the movie. I mean I do hold it against the movie, but it's also until recently when woke culture was much more of a thing. And I'm 100%, I want to make it clear to listeners, I'm 100% supportive of Black Lives Matter and, you know, GLAD and, and the LGBTQ community, all that good stuff. And, and hashtag March? me too, Women's March. I was just about to say, I'm like, who else is there? Uh, 100% support of all that progress. I love all that. But at the same time, this was 20, 2005, one. Two, it's an R-rated comedy, so they're purposely trying to play into stereotypes and push the envelope and be kind of in your face and ballsy. And a lot of times, unfortunately... It's writers and Apatos included in this take the lazy way out and be like, well, we could just fall on like, you know, homophobia jokes and things like that. That's just easy, easy shortcuts for comedic, you know, moments and things. And uh, the other thing being, this is also at this time, especially and much earlier, that's how guys were. That's how guys are generally sometimes like, oh, what are you, you know, what are you gay? Like that kind of thing. You know, that was very common. You think that's still something that guys say? Not as much. Because now it depends I mean, on the people. I mean, yeah. to look at the people that are. Like, we watched a video recently about people freaking out about you know the pandemic or whatever, like not the, with the masks and things like that. I'm like, there's still a lot of out there people. So I, it depends on the person. I think, but I think now it's way more. It's the 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 pendulum has swung the other way where. Back in the day, if you said something in public or on video or on, on the internet or whatever, being like homophobic or whatever, 
you might not make much reaction from it. Or people will be like, yeah, right? What's up with those? And they use like the derogatory F word for gay people and things like that, which I won't say that. Uh, but I think now if you do that, oh, yeah. people are like, what the, what the fuck's wrong with you? Stop being a, an asshole, a hater, or whatever. You're like, you know, racist or homophobic. Like people, they call you out on your shit now. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, people were like, eh, whatever, that's fine. Or they join in. Right. Maybe you get a couple people who would be like, that's not right. You shouldn't be talking like that. But now it's like the hammer comes down and motherfuckers are canceled all the time. So in a way, that's good because it forces people to try and be better. So I think that that's... To you know, be more we were, accepting, not just tolerant or right. um, indifferent. Right, exactly. And, you know, we talked recently, obviously, this week, there's a whole bunch of stuff happening with now uh, white Actors are not being cast on like The Simpsons and Family Guy and other cartoon shows voicing black characters. Uh, the Dixie Chicks are dropping the Dixie from their name, I guess. Things like that. And it's some of it might be going... It's Like the cartoon character thing, I understand. I think that makes sense it, it, to a certain degree. But it's also like I think some of it might be kind of overstepping in the other, in the other direction. But shit was going wrong for so many different kinds of people for so long that... I'm fine with a are little bit of collateral damage. To, are we trying to divorce the South right now? I mean... Isn't Florida included in I'm that? In, I'm in Florida. I kind of want to divorce the South, too. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned the moment of defiance that he when he just marks her marks across the street and asks her out. Like, she's like, oh, how are you doing? He's like, oh, he's good. Like, oh, you want to go out? And, like, and then she's, like, surprised and reacts very positively. I love that moment. Uh, the Rudd is celibate, they, where Paul Rudd goes, is celibate, and he has the whole, you know, oh, I know you're gay. This is one of, like, three conversations, and I'm like, oh, I'm a, I'm a gay guy now. Uh, and, you know, they're otherizing gay people, so that's not great. It would have been nice. I think it would have been good of them um, if they actually had a gay character, like a, like a gay friend, because... Yeah, I don't know if Judd Apatow would have been the remake. I don't know if Judd don't remake this. I don't know if Judd Apatow would have known how to write for that character very well. At least not at this time. Not at well, he did have a co-writer. Steve Carell actually wrote this movie with him, which is weird because I didn't even realize that. I always assumed this was just written and directed by Judd Apatow, like most of his movies are. But I guess no, not so much. Uh, The the scene with. Trish and Andy and with the condoms and he's just like the Aquaman hands with the condoms and, like, and stuff. And like how long was she in the bathroom? Yeah, I know. That's kind of ridiculous. And her daughter walks in and she's like, oh my God. How many times did you guys do it? And her boyfriend is like, dude, teach me. There's so many quotable lines in this movie. It's, it's very, you know, it, it's, it's, it's very rich with some like fun little character beats and uh, memorable lines. So the Viagra line, that's felt random to me. I don't, I still think that the Viagra scene, I mean, where he's calling the number and oh. he's like, oh, we had a reaction, you know, and he, yeah, because he can take the drug. Weird. I was like, because I guess he was so turned on with Trish that he was like still hard, like hours later, I guess. But I, I don't, again, he doesn't know how to masturbate. So I guess they were relating, relating back to that. Uh, Jane fucking Lynch, I wrote down because she's so funny in the scenes with him. Uh, I did write down that his style changed. That we, I did mention that also when we were watching it. Uh, how diverse the movie is, you pointed that out to me. So I wrote this down. Uh, I love what the fact... What else do you want to say about that? No, that they have, um, you know, uh, black people and they have Indian people and a lot of white people. I don't know. What, it wasn't as, not as diverse as I guess we may well, sound, but it, it tries more. Well, Mindy Kaling. Mindy Kaling and having, having a, a, a sort of you know, uh, an Indian woman and a white man in a relationship and not making a big deal about yeah. it, that's a big deal. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's... Um, and 
Was Jane Lynch openly gay? I don't know if she was at this time. Probably. I would think so. I mean, she's not diverse. Like, I don't color, remember. Like, color her skin-wise, but diverse in her sexuality. Right. Not in the movie, but yes. I don't know how often she's even really had a chance to play gay characters, which has got to be frustrating for her, I would imagine, well, maybe she in the industry. Yeah, but you would probably want to at some point be like play something that feels like you're embodying a part of yourself in that. I don't know. I'm not an actor. I would just imagine that if I was a certain person and my sexuality was this or my race was this and whatever, you want to have the opportunity to play all kinds of things, some of which that will speak to you in different ways than others. Right. I don't know. Uh, I said about how their relationship grows because of the lack of sexual possibility. I love that he's dating someone his own age, that he doesn't yes. end up with Beth. So he's 40 and he ends up with someone that's actually a little bit older than he is. I think Steve Carell was like 43 when they made this movie. And I think Catherine Keener was like maybe 45, 46. I read a, uh, a bit of trivia that said that that's actually was um, Steve Carell really wanted that. Like it was very important oh. to this, the script that he was with somebody his own yeah, age. He was like 43. It, was, it was like more believable that way. Ooh, he had just turned 43. His birthday is August 16th. So he literally just turned 43 like three days before the movie came out. It's always fun when a movie premieres. And it's your birthday. It's my birthday. It was your birthday recently. It was. And it's my birthday soon. Uh, and they have complete opposite amount of experience. Uh, Kevin Hart. This and Scary Movie 3 were my first exposure to Kevin Hart. Really? Scary Movie 3? What are you doing Scary Movie He's in the... He's like Anthony Anderson's friend. Anthony Anderson who's got a crush on... Again, there's a lot of homophobic jokes in that movie too. But he's got a crush on Simon Rex's character, the rapper. Oh, yeah. The, and, he, oh, and Kevin Hart's like... Yeah, yeah, like that little guy next to him, like this hype man or whatever. Uh, and then he's really funny in this movie too, with the, in his like kind of uh, verbal but, smackdown. But isn't that because he's a comedian? Yeah, but I hadn't seen him before. And he comes out, he's in one scene in this movie. He comes in and he's basically the catalyst for Jay to really get wound up so that he has that breakdown with uh, with Andy in, in the you know in the back room or whatever. But like about you know cheating on it. she broke up with me I'm like good fucking <laughs> asshole uh, so uh, do, 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 par, uh, I was wrote, I wrote that in a par, Paula the Jane Lynch character only works in this movie because she's a woman if there was a other way around that she would oh, be yeah. creepy as fuck but because she's a woman it works me too it's kind of hashtag me too in a way here too, but yeah. it's a woman so we laugh at it instead so I guess I'll allow it considering all the other things that this movie and this movie's not Versus even that old bosses I mean, we didn't really like that movie that much, but no, I didn't really like that. Well, movie bosses, it's moments in there. There, that's she's like that too. Like, yeah, she's a very, predator. Very and it, it more ain't no mode of that. Much more aggressively than this. Yeah, like, she's like trying to pull his pants down in that movie. And, and she's shit. like hot and everything, and yeah. he's just like make me. Well, not that that makes a difference. No, it doesn't. But I'm not. just saying that, like, it's well, that's what they, that's what the guy, other guy said. But like that well, one then, really because then you get into because then you get into the whole fucked up part of of. Uh, statutory rape where it's like the young boy that's seduced by his teacher and then the guy's like yeah you didn't I'm like that's still fucked up she's he's still a child and she's she's like 28 and he's like 15 that's not right it doesn't matter yeah she's hot or whatever it's like but we have it's like the patriarchy situation and it's just like they decide that's okay or okay or more more okay then when it's the other way around then that's creepy i don't know there's a lot of gender uh uh, I'm trying to think of the word and I'm blanking here. Gender uh, double standards, I guess. But that's not news to anybody listening, of course. Uh, I like when Andy uh, is the manager and then Marla wants to wait for sex. So we talked about that, about uh, that situation. Because we have a daughter who's three years old 
and she's 16, 15, 16, 16, 16, and wants to get birth control and how, what the best way to handle that is. I forget. What did you tell me when I suggested, like, what should he do in this situation? Like, if this was our daughter and she was 16 and wants to have sex with her boyfriend, would we be like, yeah, let me help you get condoms or whatever, birth control of some kind? Uh, yeah, I think I said that uh, I'd want to talk to her about it and, you know, if she really feels like she, like, you know, wants to, like, I'd rather her do those things, to talk to us about those things than not talk to us about those things or to react poorly and then, you know, she'd go behind her back. Right. Yeah, so. I agree. I think that this was the first big... Really, this is going to happen regardless. Right, exactly. This is the first really big test for Andy to, like, sort of man up in that relationship and kind of prove that he he could uh, last in that, in, like, a family dynamic with them. And then before you know it, we get to the 20th date thing. Is that where she has the... Is that where... They, when do they have the conversation about... She's like, I could kind of see this going someplace. Isn't it, like, around the 20th date? Wasn't the 20th day they had a fight? Yeah, but when do they have the conversation? Is it right before? Is it before they have the, they decide to wait? Right, that's what it is, right? Mm, I think it's when they decide to wait. It's like right when they were like on the on their second date or whatever. They they feel the connection already. So like I can kind of see this going somewhere. And he's like, yeah, me too. And he's like, oh, like it's really sweet. And then they have the 20th date conversation. We're like, oh, it's our 20th date. And he's like, oh, are you sure? Because uh, and he starts, and, and I love that because then they start making out and he panics and he regresses and he gets in like in that full-on fight or flight response mode where it's like you you're trying to make me sell my stuff you're trying to change me and she's like i'm not trying to change you i'm trying to help you grow up andy like i love that dynamic because you can like coming from my perspective which i already laid out i understand where he's coming from the other dichotomy with andy's character and you is that he has his first sexual experience with someone he ended up marrying. That's true. Like, like his first real girlfriend became, and his first became, became his wife. But I did it, I, I did the um, the virginity thing 13 years, and then the marriage thing, nine? 30? 31? Where were we when we got married? 30. Um, Almost about, 31. We were about to be 31. So I did it, I was ahead of schedule. So in your face, Andy. Just, you know, no offense to anybody that's obviously in an Andy-like situation, I understand. So yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, I I love that. I don't love. I don't love. I love the fact that they have that fight and then how, like I was just saying, the the dynamic that that creates. I don't love the fact that he gets he goes out clubbing with them, gets drunk, and nearly has sex with Elizabeth Banks. As hot as she is in that moment, I'm like, this is very upsetting. And then you know, <laughs> she, he's like, oh, this is really graphic. <laughs> and the way that he leaves the room, and then the guys are there, of course, and he says. Um, He's like, he's like, all I know is that that woman scares the shit out of me. <laughs> and I, and I, I love that. Because that's, he's so, he's not like those guys. Like, he's purer of heart because of his situation than those guys. Like, he doesn't just go out and sleep around or whatever. It's like, it's a, it's, it matters more to him. Well, is he is also purer of heart because of the situation? Because he's pure of heart. No, no, but, but the situation reveals that, is what I'm saying. Oh. Like, she is, this is, Elizabeth Banks is very attractive now, but Elizabeth Banks then it was, you know, more attractive in the, in, a, in some ways, especially in the, in the situation that she's in in that movie. I don't even want to say it because it's so graphic. Uh, like he says, in that scene, to different person, as you saw, and as you see in the movie, Seth Rogen is like, hey, what's up, I'm Cal. And he like gets in the bathtub with her. And and that really that ends up, I guess, starting a relationship because you see them together at, at Andy's wedding. Um, 
it's he he's like me, Adam, uh, Adam Andy is coming from a different perspective. He's coming at relationships and sex from a very different perspective because his experience is completely different. So like you and I run into that sometimes when we're watching something and we're watching weirdly, <laughs> weirdly we're watching Fuller House, and Matt who is a uh, a former boyfriend of DJs in like the first couple seasons or whatever, just is hanging around with the guy, her fiance and, and it's like part of the family. And I'm asking him like, isn't that weird? Because they like dated for a while. And presumably, I mean, it's hard to imagine DJ Tanner having sex because she's so whatever, uh, presumably had a sexual relationship. And now he's just like, Hey, what's up? I'm hanging out here. Even though, yeah, I, you know, banged DJ to be crass about it again. Like, isn't that weird? And you're like, no, no, because blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I mean, okay. I mean, I have no reference point for these because, for this kind of thing, because I don't have any exes, really. I don't have any previous sexual experience, really. And so I feel like it colors my perspective of relationships and in, in some ways the world. And so I understand why Andy would come to that situation and be like whoa I don't know what the hell this is about but I'm not feeling it in my heart and that's kind of like his thing is in that moment and I think that's really sweet ultimately this like weird sex that's like crass sex comedy is ultimately a really a really sweet movie and I think that's why I respond to it much more than things like I guess American Pie has it sort of it's tries to do that too or like the Wedding Crasher movie and things like that where I'm just like no. pork well Adam, mm. uh, American Pie ends up trying to be like that because some of the people when they have sex it's like they get closer to their relationship but it's also then you have the kid who has sex with his friend's mom and then the other one who's like basically like you know it's a whole situation and the, and, 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 and it's played American for laughs American Pie Bandcamp was the trailer, trailer on the DVD for the same studio Universal why so they it's make like that a theme park so it's ride? like so it's like most sex comedies like that don't I don't resonate with me because of that reason. I like the more Austin Powers, Ace Ventura, like silly kind of over the top comedy. That's more my jam. So thoughts on everything I just said, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean I agree. I mean that's the kind of the big reason that this movie didn't really resonate with me is it's it's more male male it is more male centered and. Well, the character's journey also, yeah, the character's journey doesn't match yours. Yeah, and I don't like, you know, I I didn't like American Pie. I didn't really care for Wedding Crashers that much. I never even saw um, Porky's. Oh, that's that's kind of before our time, too. We're like right around, we were toddlers when it came out or whatever. Like sex comedies. Same, yeah. So, and and sex comedies are more um, directed towards men. Of course, because we're more perverted. But then, then but like bridesmaids comes out, and that changes the game for women. Perceived, we're perceived as more perverted. I don't, I don't want to. I want to make sure I see come off as sex positive for women, obviously. But it, we're perceived that way, and that's what studios are like. Well, guys or young boys, well, they're like hormones; they'll go see anything. I'm like, no, not really. I won't. But okay. Uh, so I love that that moment where she, she, you know, she's he's like, she's like, are you okay? He's like, no, I'm not okay. He's like. I'm a virgin, and he like looks down and like with the helmet. I'm like, oh, I even drew like a sad face emoji because it's very emotional. And she's like, "You're a virgin, that's all." He's like, "Yeah," and he's like, and he says it in a very, uh, he says it in a very illogical way too. He's like, "I'm a virgin. I always have been." I'm like, "Well, yeah, I would imagine that's how that works." It's not like you're like, "I was, I yeah, I was the whole time." I'm like, well, "Yeah, if you are now, that's all." Yeah, um, 
But he says, you know, I used to panic that it never happened, and now I realize that I it was waiting. I was waiting for you, and I was like, oh, you know, I get all. I think that's really sweet. I love the way the movie ends, and that. Though that's the whole point is that. And um It is weird though. Yeah, go ahead. I mean it's sweet, but it's also weird that they just decided to get married. That's what and then you beat me. You're, I was about to say that and you interrupted what I was about to that because I was about yeah, okay, go I, ahead. I, like, and then it Perfect. starts to kind of have this like biblical meaning to it in a way. Like he's like, Oh, I guess I was just saving myself for marriage now. Yeah, that's weird. I agree. I think it's just for this have to have a neat like movie ending is why, you know, romantic comedy tends to end with a flash forward to a wedding or something. Because uh, I wrote that down too. I was like, wait, how long How long after this mo- that, that conversation on and the road the did they get married? Like, did they just like, all right, well, let's get married tomorrow and whatever. Like, Or did they then have to wait months after that? Like, even if he proposed to her that next day, there's a lot that goes into planning a wedding. Like, yeah. th- did they just get married? Like, how did that work exactly? And if so... What is the movie trying to say that he felt like he needed to wait? It's like, okay, you sold her. She's cool with it. You go back to her place now and you do it that day. Like after you make up and then you have sex and then you're good. And then you get married. Not that you wait. I mean, I guess, you know, everybody, everybody's entitled to their own choices. But traditionally, it doesn't seem like Andy was trying to wait until marriage. No. It seemed like he was trying to wait till the right moment or the right person that was, or that whatever. That's a weird ending to me. Yeah, like, I think that the is. The first time I, I saw it, I'm like, I don't get this. Why? <laughs> Well, yeah. I'd see at me being a virgin, I didn't even connect with that. I was just like, yeah, of course, he loves her. They get married. Yeah. And I mean, they had already been on 20 dates. Um, Mm -hmm. So they've been dating for several months, I guess, or a month or whatever. The other thing about that. A month. So he said, so, so he is now like, he goes from not telling anybody anything to now he's divulging to. The priest colleagues now consummate like, the thing already. You know, all the colleagues being like, "Oh, it's gonna be twenty dates, and we're gonna have sex." It's like at that when he after he met, um, oh my gosh, what's her name? Trish. It would have been good if he um, kind of started to be more tight lipped on what was going on because he's now being kind of treated like a the, the of gossip the, kind of yeah, the and like, like the celebrity, thing. the celebrity of the. Well, they're all, but I see. I don't see it that way. I mean, I see what you're saying, but I think that everybody except for Paula is rooting for him. Like, they're trying... They realize Andy's a good guy and they're trying to help yeah, him find somebody or whatever. Yeah, but it starts to be, like, or whatever. Like, oh, it's going to be the 20th date. It's like, you know, yeah. he should have just left So you'll have sex in 30 days or whatever. Yeah, Mood he should have just left it scene. to be like, have sex in 30 yeah, days. we met and we're, we're hitting off. And then that's... And when they... Yeah, but it's too late. He's invested. Yeah. They're all invested at that point. They're invested like we're invested. They're watching the same movie. Uh, so, yeah. So then they <laughs> then they have sex very fast as it, you know, that which makes sense. And then he's a trooper after that one experience and the second time around two hours later. So respect, Andy. And then we get the whole Aquarius music number, musical number, which I think is really fun. Uh, your thoughts on, I guess, yeah, the marriage thing is a weird sort of leap in logic. The fact that then they wait until marriage at that point when, again, they're, like I said, there'd been no, no ground laid out for that Andy was waiting until he got married for any reason. It was just like the right person or the right time or whatever. So what are your thoughts on Aquarius? Um, at the that Sunshine was really Inn. weird. Like, I like that song a lot, but it was just really weird. And I guess it's because, you know, I'm not a man. I don't know. I don't know that feeling of like orgasm, especially if it's probably happened like for like for the first time. I don't know. It just, I just felt it comes out of place. It's fun. But that whole ending was out of place. Yeah, it's fun, though. I like it. 
It's really the, the the scene on the road is the ending. Everything else is after is just like denouement, basically. It's like, all right, here's some more fun stuff on your way out, you know. And I think, yeah, it, it's just the movie trying to communicate kind of the bliss of that afterglow moment where he's like, yeah, I had sex now. I just had sex. It was basically that moment. Uh, it's so, your second Annie Sandberg reference on this episode. Yeah, it's true. I need to go watch Popstar and uh, what is it, the Bash Brothers thing on Netflix, which is really funny. So. Overall thoughts on 40-Year-Old Virgin now, having seen it for the third time. Still really, still one of my, probably one of my favorite comedies. I think there's a lot of, as I mentioned, there's things that have not aged well. But we started this format of the podcast with Ace Ventura Pet Detective, which has a lot of things that have not aged well, especially transphobia, things like that. So what are your your thoughts on this movie now, having seen it, especially having you know been with me and, and my connection to it, and now we've talked for almost an hour and a half about, about that whole... Uh, Deal. Um, I mean, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a cute movie, and especially with, you know, your your relationship to that movie, it it has more of an impact and resonates with me more. Um, and Catherine Keener also, you know, she smiles, she's, her eyes get all squinty, squinty yeah, like mine do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm really proud of you for being open about about the virginity and. Because I know that that's it's been hard for you to kind of talk about that, and um, so I'm proud of you for. Well, it's a personal thing. One, yeah, one, one it's and, it, for a long time it was like the thing to be the thing I was ashamed of, and then since then it's like it's you can't just drop it randomly in conversation. I'm like, by the way, did you know this? So even if I wanted to like talk about it, it didn't present the opportunity didn't really present itself. And this was a movie that I was wanting to cover, and I was like, well, I can't do this movie and not talk about my own personal experience and how it connects. This I would be I would be a, a hypocrite, be, would be betraying the premise of this show, bringing on fans and critics alike to talk about their personal connection to a current or classic release. This is my personal connection to this classic, I guess, 15 years old release. So you know, it's kind of part and parcel of talking about this movie. So, and that's what once I decided that I wanted to talk about this movie for my birthday thing, I knew I had to have Kai on because this would have been a weird conversation to have with my mom. <laughs> even though I don't even know if she's she's seen this all the way through. She probably has at some point because I watched it a lot. But, but yeah, I think probably um, weird with your brother too. Uh, I mean, not a little much, less weird. Not a less weird. Yeah, he and I used to like, used to quote this movie a lot and stuff. So. Yeah, definitely a movie that has issues, but it's been 15 years, so we've come a long way as a culture, generally, well, some of us have, and I think it, it's definitely one worth watching, and it, and it has a real heart to it that makes it, it makes the exception a, a, a sex comedy that I actually enjoy and that actually is worthwhile, and, you know, I'm a very emotional person in general. I watched It Chapter 2 last night and, like, cried at, like, 2 in the morning when I was watching the end of that movie. So that's, like, my thing. I tend to get emotionally invested in things generally. So this movie really hits home for me in a number of ways, as I mentioned. So uh, I said so too many times, but thank so. you. So, so uh, <laughs> thank you, Kai, for coming on this episode to talk about this movie. Uh Especially, you know, like I said, I, I don't know who I would have had on, on for this thing instead. I would have just talked about a different movie. But thank you for coming on and letting me rattle off Happy to be in here. your direction for an hour and a half. Do you want to tell people where they can find you on social media or anywhere? What are you up to these days? I was like, not a whole lot. Becoming version 2.0 right on now. Amazon. Yeah, becoming version You're not 2. trying to be sexy, man. 
becoming version 2.0 to Amazon. Still out there working on the audiobook. Um, to, oh, yeah. You need yeah. to let me know. But off yeah. mic, the update yeah. on that. And um, I am on uh, bebold-bebrave.com, where my YouTube videos I used to do are there um, and archived. And uh, I'm on Twitter at VaultKeyLLC. And, of course, you can find me on Facebook under my name and Instagram under my name. And, yeah, that's, that's, that's me. That's, that's what you have going on. So uh, this has been a back-to-back Kai thing. Next week, as of the schedule at the moment, uh, you're going to be hearing me and Caitlin Kennedy talking about The Quiet Man, which was an interesting an interesting movie. A nice, a nice change of pace for this show. And I love when guests bring on older movies like that that I had never even seen. So stay tuned for that. We have a bunch of stuff coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Jojo Rabbit, Ball of Fire. And then Kai is back in August when I finally post the Can't Hardly Wait commentary we recorded in May. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, May? April? May? It's been a while. It's been a while. It's uh, Time is relative these days. Beyond that, you know, if you, you know, there's a lot of things in the cards a lot of updates and changes and upgrades and whatever with the podcast. So bear with me during all of that. And uh, hopefully we can make the show even better going forward throughout the summer. Did you ever mention... Reclaim 2020. What? Did you ever mention on the podcast from before about the new the, the new update that's going on with no, no, the podcast? No, no, not yet. Not yet. I need to figure that out. Okay. I need to... I haven't done a lot of that. I've been busy with stuff. We have, we have a toddler. I have a full-time job. There's a lot of things going on. So, yeah, stay tuned to Crooked Table Podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher and all that stuff. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if you enjoy the show. You can reach me on Twitter at Crooked Table. I think you may or may not still hear me say some of these things in the outro. I have to update that. So thank you for listening. Until next time, I've been Rob. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of a little KED. Oh, <laughs>